Welcome, one and all, to episode 51 of the Mars Attacks podcast. This is also the Classic Albums Column podcast for December of 2011. And this column will feature, or better yet, focus on P-Cells by Megadeth. Alright, so for all of you not keeping score, what this column is about is talking about albums that have had an impact on hard rock and metal. Um, Albums that are part of the evolutionary chain, if you will, of these styles of music. And albums of importance to the greater scheme of things. Uh, Megadeth is one of the most important metal bands of all time. You can qualify them as a thrash band, as metal, whatever it is. But their impact, I mean, is without a doubt one of the most important to come out of the 80s. It is often why I ponder what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame will do with a lot of these groups from the 80s. Megadeth. Megadeth is extremely important. They allowed Metallica in. Will they let Megadeth in? Will they let a band like Slayer or Anthrax in? Would they ever go back and, God forbid, allow Rush, Kiss, UFO, Deep Purple, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, bands that influenced... You know, Metallica, who's in there. Bands that influence Van Halen, who's in there. You know, so on and so forth. So, we'll see what happens with that. And we could have an episode dedicated to all the things regarding the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But, to the fact of the matter here. Megadeth, Peace Sells, But Who's Buying? Which is the complete title. The album is 25 years old this year. Obviously, there was a box set that came out earlier this year. A great box set. It seems that for once, box sets mean something. They actually have some cool you know, material uh, in them. I have this box set. I absolutely love it. I love what they've done with the remixes this time around. What they've done with the vinyl and promotional material that 
comes along with the uh, box set. And, um, you know, this album helped catapult, you know, in the grand scheme of things, maybe bands like Dream Theater, uh, you know, obviously they're, you know, whatever battles were going on between Metallica and Megadeth and launching Thrash and taking in the directions that uh, that they took it in. And, um, you know, what we do with this column is celebrate these albums. And uh, if nothing else, you know, have people discover, you know, Megadeth for the first time. You know, if there's a first-time listener that's never heard of Megadeth before... Maybe have them check this out and say, you know, oh my god, I need to check Peace Cells out. If you haven't listened to the album in a long time, you know, rediscover this album and say, wow, you know, I really forgot, you know, how cool Wake Up Dead was, you know. Um, so, you know, it works in, in that fashion as well. And also, you know, in a second, we're going to have Mark Striegel from Talking Metal discussing peace cells and um you know hopefully what this does is sort of cross promote things and help people you know check out mark striegel and what he has to offer with talking metal uh so you know that's sort of the idea behind these columns discover have people discover albums have people rediscover them and have people check out all of the various people that are involved in this column, both in the podcast format and the written format that you can find right there on MarsAttacksRadio.com. So without further ado, let me intro Mark Striegel here. Mark Striegel will talk about, um, obviously, P-Cells, but if you're not sure of you know who Mark Striegel is or what he has to offer... Go to TalkingMetal.com. Go there. Check out all the great interviews that they have to offer via Talking Metal. Go to the Talking Metal forums and talk about what else? Metal. And also check out MarkStriegelRadio.com, a stream, or actually one of the streams. I help program Stream B, actually, and that also features uh, my radio show, Mars Attacks Radio. So if you actually go to MarsAttacksRadio.com, you can find out additional information regarding that. Or you could go to MarkStriegelRadio.com, and that is Striegel, spell S-T-R-I-G-L. So there you go. Without further ado, let's play the back end of Wake Up Dead and jump right into Mark Striegel's comments.
Negative SP Cells was just, again, one of those records that was so influential and and really, I felt, broke new ground. You know, it's like we all kind of knew who Dave Mustaine was. He was this guy who had been in Metallica, who had kind of been, you know, for better or worse, let go from the band. And, you know, we had heard Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good. And, and I thought that that record was okay, but I was never, like, just completely blown away from it, um, completely blown away by it. But when I heard when I heard P-Cells for the first time, with just so many great songs, such as the title track and, and Devil's Island and just so much great stuff on that record, I was just completely excited and really started taking Dave Mustaine and Megadeth very seriously at that point. And uh, a track off of that. Hmm. Um... What's uh, what about the Conjuring? Isn't that on there? Yep, Conjuring's yeah. uh, the second song in. That's a good one. A little bit of the conjuring there coming off of Peace Cells, but who's buying the album that we are focusing on for this month's classic albums column right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. Moving forward, up next we have Alan Tecchio, lead singer of such bands as Hades, Nonfiction, Autumn Hour, Watchtower, and... This specific weekend, well, actually today, tomorrow, and Saturday, if I'm not mistaken, he's playing with Seven Witches, or fronting Seven Witches, who will be opening up for Armored Saint on the East Coast, on the East Coast of the U.S. there. Should be a cool bill with two of the 
greatest hard rock or metal singers of all time. And um, again, wish I could be at that show and uh, hope they have nothing but a great time or hope anyone that goes out to the show has nothing but a great time seeing both bands. So there you go. Uh, Let's play a little bit more of The Conjuring and jump right into Alan Tecchio's comments. You know what? I remember hearing the, the title track from that, uh, but the Combat Records version of it on the radio in New York. Uh, I was thinking, what is this? It sounds so cool. It's so fresh and different and new. And I, I was just blown away by it. But at the end of it, it was negative. I thought it was a girl thing <laughs> when I was listening to it. It's just right. kind of like a female vocal for some reason. And I was like, oh, you know what? That is so cool and so forward-thinking. And then when they released it on a major label, they had remixed it, and I just didn't like it as much. I mean, it's phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. It's phenomenal. But, uh, you know, there was just something more raw and more metal about the combat version. And, uh, I don't know, I kind of lament the fact that it got remixed, but... Obviously, it did very well for him, so what do I know?
There you go, the quote-unquote title track, P-Cells, for P-Cells, but who's buying? And um, such an iconic song, such an iconic intro, for years and years and years, MTV used that, as a lot of you know, for their MTV News, the lead-in into those spots. And um, if you haven't checked out the website yet, we have a Q&A up there with Dave Elfson, David Elfson regarding this particular album. And if you haven't checked it out yet, go to MarsAttacksRadio.com and see his comments for yourself. But one of the questions that I sent to him was regarding the specific bass line. And this is what he responded. Dave wrote the song and it quickly came together in our rehearsal room as a four-piece. I remember adding the high harmony vocals to the outro chorus and everyone looking at me like, wow, he can actually sing like that. It was from my training listening to Michael Anthony's vocal lines in Van Halen as a teenager. The bass line and end guitar riff are essentially the same part and starting the tune with the bass riff was unique as most metal tunes start with a guitar riff or the entire band. Dave was always calling me to the forefront of the songs rather than just being a background bass player and I think that really set us apart from a lot of other metal going on in those days. We had a really powerful front line to the band with two very different guitar players and an aggressive bassist in me. So there you have it. Uh, Again, go over to the website and read everything that um, David Ellison has to say regarding the album itself. Uh, I tried to include as many members of the band or people that have been in the band as much as possible. Obviously, life goes on. There are people that uh, are available. There are others that choose not to discuss the band or their time in the band. And um, there are others that just aren't up there on the web and that it, you know, there were none of my other contacts had ways of getting through to them (laughs) or providing me uh, ways to get in touch with a manager, PR person or whatever. So, you know, I did the best that I could and there are some people that are busy and can't, you know, couldn't get involved. So they may get involved at one point down the road and who knows, we may have an addendum to um, uh, some of these episodes where additional comments are added. But anyway, again, check out the site, marsattacksradio.com, and read that Q&A with David Ellison. Up next, Anirud Bansal, uh, better known to some of you as Andrew or Andy from Metal Assault. Go to metalassault.com. He has just uploaded his top 10 albums uh, of the year. And uh, real quickly here, we'll go over his top five. He has Dream Theaters, A Dramatic Turn of Events, Graveyard, uh, Hisingen Blues. Hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Number three, uh, Danova, Hemispheres of Shadows. Number two, Anthrax, Worship Music. And number one... Machine Head, Onto the Locust. After reading this, I realized that I have to get my act in gear and put together um, a list of my favorite albums of the year as well. So that'll be up on the site shortly. 
In any event, go to metalassault.com and check out everything that Anirud has to uh, offer. Also check him out on Twitter and Facebook and every other great social media outlet that he's involved in. It's all up there on metalassault.com. So let's check out this famous last part of P-Cells before jumping into our comments with or our conversation with uh, Andrew from Middle Assault. SP cells. Uh, this year, you know, 2011 marks the uh, the um, what is it? The 25th anniversary, I believe. Yeah, the 25th anniversary yep. of uh, P cells. I was I was a little, you know, confused between 25th and 30th because there's a lot of albums which are also uh, marking the, their 30th years. This year is like a very milestone year. It's turning out to be you know 2011. <laughs> but uh, right. yeah, P cells 25th anniversary this year and. Uh, we've been lucky enough that the band has decided to uh, put it out again in, in a whole new packaging. You know, there's a reissue out there. There's a new P-Cells box set, which uh, Capital Records and EMI have put out. And it has the uh, uh, three-disc vinyl and a five-CD pack. And there's a bunch of other stuff like pictures and, you know, ticket stubs and all of that good stuff, which uh, any Megadeth fan would enjoy, you know, if, if he, can, he or she can afford it. Uh, but right. anyway, uh, well, I was I was lucky enough that they sent me, uh, uh, you know, a sort of a review, uh, a, a, the box set for review. So hmm. I was able to have it even before it came out, and I was able to review it and stuff. But you know, it, it's just amazing the the fact that we've been we've all been able to revisit this album now, and even the band is acknowledging the fact that you know they're the 25th anniversary of the album and. That the, the fact that, you know, I, it, I I spoke to Sean Drover a few months ago when they, uh, just before they went on the Mayhem Fest run, and I asked him whether, you know, they would celebrate this album the same way they celebrated the Rust in Peace album by touring behind it for a whole year. That was the last year, the 20th anniversary tour. But, 
he said that it might not be the whole album from start to finish but they would certainly think of doing more songs than they usually do you know so that's a good thing but coming to the album itself you know it's just the fact that killing is my business was a great album a great start to the band but it was in the band's own words it was not you know to their own satisfaction in the sense that they did not have enough money to uh, you know to produce to, to produce and mix it and the final result was not something they were happy with, with which was because of a lot of you know different kind of reasons but one of them being that they spent half the money in in crack but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah they were apparently they were given $8000 to uh, to do the album they spent 4000 in in their you know little uh escapades where they would get well as they would say in their own words and uh, then you know play their music so <laughs> in the in the end it was a miracle that they that they even finished the album and the um the quality that it came out with you know it could have been even worse but uh but uh, what i'm trying to say is that they were uh, they were they themselves and the fans were looking for a for a more polished you know follow up to that album and peace cells provided that you know uh it was um it was more like the debut that that everybody was expecting from from of them stain fronted band you know there's such you know polished music you know that's the word i i i keep using because it's just so so much you know more clean and and uh, structured as compared to killing is my business which uh, some of the songs on there are just you know just uh random you know jams uh, where chris poland and um has you know kind of expressed his his jest and and he's a little bit you know which is which is great in a way but b cells is more of a metal you know a defining heavy metal album and uh the title song is of course you know been legendary you know on mtv and all of that stuff but there's other stuff on there which uh which i enjoy equally you know there's uh the conjuring and then there's uh my last verse which is one song that i'm i'm dying to hear from the band live and hopefully they'll do it <laughs> now that uh they are releasing this they have released this box set and hopefully they'll uh play pr- promote it in the right earnest by playing some of the stuff that they usually don't play you know so there's that and um this this vinyl is a, it's a triple gatefold vinyl you know the new reissue and there's extended artwork which you will not see on the cd or on the original you know thing there's like there's a whole new landscape which you can see inside of the white of the white house i believe it is or the un building it is not the white house yeah that's what it is so you can see that and you can see a uh, vacan in his full glory and you can see a lot of other stuff that you will not get to see otherwise so there's that that's for the artwork but the music itself you know they've they've done a great job at a uh, sort of um remastering it which they did in 2008 and this is the same issue you know just to uh, clarify it's not a 2011 reissue they just uh, uh released it again in a new packaging uh but either way i mean it's uh if you if you haven't you know kind of heard the original or or you know if you still don't know what it sounds like you should check check out the new version and it's, it's definitely great and even the cd version is it's sounding great on this one it's better than the uh the 2004 remaster that's for sure the Randy Burns stuff which they put out um but um uh, you know uh Peace Cells is just it always will be the the most legendary Megadeth album and even though Rust in Peace was sort of the more 
commercially successful album i would say rust in peace was definitely you know musically superior and you can it it was it's more of like a like a cohesive band effort in terms of the music everybody has has done a great job on on the music itself and uh chris poland is just you know he's just proved that why you know dave mustaine kind of had to uh you know put up with this with this little you know habits because he was just such a great musician that you have to forgive everything else that he did <laughs> um so uh and of course gar samuelson on the drums and um and dave ellison and and dave mustaine you know on the classic you know bass and guitar combo and uh there's also this live album that that comes with this with this uh, new packaging which is the uh, which is i believe from live from cleveland from that from that original peace cells tour and it it really captures the raw you know energy that megadeth had back then and with dave dave mustaine's little rants on stage which he doesn't do all all of that all that much now because he's kind of more you know older wiser more mature but back then it was all about you know like classic like a young heavy metal band that was megadeth so that really is something that's been captured on this live album so i would encourage people to you know this it's not just the box set there's also a two cd pack available which is i don't know like around like 15 dollars or something like that so that's pretty affordable for everyone i would say and you should check that out i mean so that has the uh, the new remaster and the uh, live album so uh that's i mean the the reason why i'm talking so much about this reissue is because uh you you have the uh, the easy access to kind of you know revisit the album because it's already been released by the band and they themselves are acknowledging that that yeah you know they they are revisiting the album themselves and the fans should do the same um so it's it's a must for any megadeth fan to uh, check out p cells and if you're not a megadeth fan or not familiar with megadeth then this is once again you know a great place to start and you can move on to your rust in peace and your countdown to extinction and all your cryptic <laughs> writings and the commercial stuff after after peace cells i mean this is where i feel that they hit an early kind of a musical peak uh, and then they kind of they were very successful in keeping that keeping up to that peak for a while but this is where they they reached it at and uh, they they pretty much burst on to the uh, to the underground metal scene back then and it's a very uh you know a very important album in their career and an important album for me because it's one of the most instrumental in making me a a huge megadeth fan so yeah peace sells man check it out peace will always sell <laughs>
little Devil's Island coming off of P-Cells, but who's buying probably one of my all-time favorite Megadeth songs. And uh, a track about the movie Papillon with Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman. I remember growing up as a kid thinking, you know, is it Devil's Island uh, off the coast of Cape May in New Jersey? You know, that's what they referred to one of the uh, prisons that they had there uh, during the Civil War. And uh, many years later, seeing one of the various Megadeth uh, concert DVDs, Dave Mustaine mentions that it's about Papillon. So there you go. Up next... Incredibly talented guitarist Dave Reffitt. If you haven't checked out his album, The Call of the Flame, do so. Towards the end of this episode, we have Glenn Drover and Chris Poland. Well, he has a song on his album, on The Call of the Flame, where he has the two of them playing on the same track together, including actually Dave Reffitt as well, singing and soloing all over the track as well. So definitely if you're a fan of Megadeth, if you're a fan of Chris Poland or Glenn Drovers, check out Dave Reffitt's Call of the Flame. Uh, if you look up Call of the Flame and see um, Shredding the Envelope, um, it's the same album. Essentially when it initially came out, it was under that name and... Um, Everything is being transitioned over to Dave's name. So, uh, And once again, I have to thank Dave for helping me secure a lot of the great people that you hear during these various episodes. Uh, if you want to find out more about Dave Reffitt, go to his website, DaveReffitt.com. And just as a reminder, go to... Um, the index page right there on Mars Attacks Radio. If you go to the top of this post that's associated to this classic albums column, you'll see index page. Click on that. It'll take you to a link that shows everyone involved uh, throughout the entire process. There are people that you know you haven't heard during any of the episodes yet or haven't read any of their comments yet, but they've submitted... Uh, content that will be made available in the future when you know the associated um, columns come out, and um, you'll find links there to Dave's website, Dave's Twitter, uh, so on and so forth. So again, it's a great way of checking out you know the people that are involved and have lent their opinions to this column, whether you agree with them or not. So. Let's jump into some more of Devil's Island and then get into Dave Reffitt's comments.
Megadeth is um, probably my favorite band of all time. Dude, I've, I've always loved Megadeth. Um, them and Kiss, you know, people that know me, those are my two big bands. And um, my introduction to Megadeth was Rust in Peace. You know, a friend of mine in grade school, I think I was like 12, said, hey, man, check this out. You know, and the only bands I knew were like Iron Maiden and Metallica and a couple bands. And uh, he handed me Take No Prisoners. And I heard that and I was like, oh, my God, dude, this is like the fastest, craziest, most amazing thing I've ever heard. And so then, of course, I had to go back and rediscover everything. And uh, when I found Peace Cells, I just fell in love with that record. And and Rust in Peace, of course, is amazing. That's the one everybody goes to a lot. But for me, Peace Cells is, is such a special record. Um, Dave and Chris, the guitar playing on that is insane. Chris Poland, um, he plays on my record, and he's on there for a reason because he was a big influence on me. And um, in particular, Good Morning, Black Friday, the guitar solo on that is just so beautiful. And his use of... Um, you know, the way he gets feedback from the amp at certain times and the way he phrases certain notes. And, like, a lot of players don't really have, like, a touch. You know, like, the they don't really have a... Um, trying to think of the right terminology, but I guess touch is the best way to put it. And Chris just has such a touch, man. Like, he really makes you feel something. And um, just the whole record kills, man. And Dave also... Dave is um unbelievable guitar player. Yeah, you got to give it to that guy. Um, the solos on Wake Up Dead, you know, uh, the title track, Peace Cells, and then Devil's Island's another one. Like, when I'm warming up, I have the um, Rude Awakening DVD, and I usually put that on and warm up to it. And, and those those are always some of the standout tracks for me that are fun to play to, or like Devil's Island and stuff like that, you know, because the, just the lead playing is ripping on there. And Wake Up Dead, you know, that's a big live staple for them for a reason. That's a killer song. And um, another thing that struck me about this album, and Megadeth in particular, and I think that that's something that's always put them, um, you know, ahead of the pack, is, the like, his lyrics, you know, his lyrics. Like, he's such an incredible uh, lyricist. You know, like, Devil's Island, for instance, like, when you hear that song... I remember being a little kid and you could totally picture everything. You know, a lot, you know, a lot of people have to say, here's what this song's about and here's what it means. And like, you know, I was thinking about this when I wrote it, blah, blah, blah. But with this, not at all, dude, you heard it, you got it right away. Like he got right to the point, got right to the meat of it. And you could tell right away. Peace sells the title track. That's another one that, um, you know, that's just such a statement and people get it. And that's why that one resonated so much with people that, you know, just instantly clicked. And it got you thinking, yeah, man, why the fuck couldn't I be the president? You know? <laughs> and that was, you're like, yeah, this dude's right. Fuck them. I could be the president, you know? So that was kind of a cool, um, you know, he was like speaking directly to us. And got us all riled up and got us thinking that way. You know, it was cool. And for a lot of people, myself included, you know, we needed a hero like that needed somebody to look at and say, hey, man, this guy's cool. You know, he's all right. He's not one of the, you know what I mean? Because so many people, you know, the president and stuff, you can't trust him. Dave will tell you like it is, you know. And My Last Words is another one. That's such a great song where, um, you know, like I said, it just paints a picture. You know, that's what that's the sign of a great lyricist. Does it paint that picture in your mind or not? 
and that does you know this whole album does another great thing about this album man is is david ellison you know like an often overlooked musician i mean the guy adds a lot to it he's um you know the piece sells but who's buying the intro the bass intro i mean they use that for mtv news for 20 years or something it's it's such an iconic riff and um he just adds a lot to it i think and also i mean gar dude gar was insane I, I, I love Gar's drumming. The um, it was they were so interesting as a band with that chemistry, um, having the metal musicians mixed with the jazz musicians. You know, it really set them apart in a very big way. You know, they were just they were the musicians' band, I think, in a lot of ways. Because I mean, just so many people appreciated what they did. They're just insanely good players.
little bit of Good Morning, Black Friday from uh, Megadeth coming off of the P-Cells But Who's Buying album. Once again, the album that we are focusing on this month's Classic Albums column right here on the Mars Attacks podcast. Up next is Aaron Griffith from Iron City Rocks, a great, great podcast. Check out ironcityrocks.com. You can also subscribe to their podcast via iTunes as well. Uh, he also has another blog called signal2noise.fm, or it can be found on signal2noise.fm. Uh, great, great blog. Uh, went there the other day and found some very informative information regarding some Zoom products. I have the H2 by Zoom, and uh, seeing their new update was sort of, uh, or the update of the product was sort of... Um, Somewhat salivating there. Left me salivating um, about possibly pulling the trigger on that product due to uh, you know some limitations that the original H2 has. It, it has evolved somewhat over the years, so um, seeing his write-up was pretty interesting. And uh, seeing him discuss the H3 as well, because that incorporates video, and there are certain aspects of that that are appealing to me as well. But anyway, let's get back on the Megadeth um portion of things uh let's play the tail end of this track and um let's jump right into Aaron's comments and the track once again is good morning black friday So 1986 um, is what I kind of look at, look back at is the magic year of metal. In 1986, we got Master Puppets from Metallica. We got Rain and Blood from Slayer. And then Megadeth gave us their second album, Peace Cells. This album to me has just been, it's, it's been a landmark record for me. I've listened to it so many times. Um, Dave Mustaine, with this record, solidified himself as just the ultimate cool rock star image in my eyes to where I had pictures of him taped up my door to – and this is how, you know, how rabid of, of an insane you know, kid I was back in the 80s here. But I took his picture to the, um, to the hair salon and said, I want a perm that's going to make my hair look like this. I was trying to get that orange color and that, that curliness to it because he just epitomized cool for me. Right. You know? And when you look at when you look at the, this record here, it's only their second effort. Metallica really took three records to 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 get their momentum. I mean, you know, the first two records are good. Puppets is the album for me that will always go down in history as their masterpiece. You know, they've done good stuff after that. They've done good stuff before, but that was the album that's just like, hey, this is what we can really do as a band. And I think that's where Dave stepped up with. Uh, with Peace Cells. Because, I mean, this was released almost back-to-back, um, you know, so to speak, like year-to-year, I guess, 
with uh, the first record, you know, Killing of right. My Business. And you can just hear that, boy, he had something to prove still on this record. I mean, like, this is one of those records I can sit down and listen to start to finish, track by track, and everything's a good song on it. You know, P-Cells, again, obviously being, you know, me being a bass player, I think that's one of the one of the best bass lines ever. It's still a pretty difficult line to play. <clears throat> as simple as it sounds, I will still sit down and trip over my fingers trying to trying to learn it. <laughs> right. You know? Um <clears throat> and then the cover that they did with the Willie Dixon cover, I Ain't Superstitious. Like between Killing Is My Business, where they did these boots, and then this record with I Ain't Superstitious, Dave wasn't afraid to step outside the metal genre. Right. You know, and, and you, you figure there, there were bands that were doing covers and things. I mean, Metallica's covers were all beefed up versions of songs that, you know, definitely sounded very metal, but Dave's like, right. you know what? I like these songs. Let's, let, let's, let's do this other stuff. And that's a pretty interesting point because even after that figure, so far, so good. So what had anarchy in the UK uh, and then you also had them doing uh, "No More Mr. Nice Guy" right after that. And even though, as you're as you're saying, they were pretty much made into Megadeth songs, they aren't exactly, you know, 100% metal stuff. Where if you hear, you know, the the Wait by Killing Joke, for example, what Metallica did really didn't stray that far from the original. Right. And that's what I loved about Dave, you know. And I forgot about their their version, of "No More Mister Nice Guy," because that was the Shocker soundtrack. And man, right? I bought the soundtrack just to get that song. I went to the, see the movie just to hear that, right? Uh, like, because I just uh, again, like, rabid Megadeth fan. It was funny is I never got to see them live until just this past July. Um, John and Iron City Rocks and I, we went to the Mayhem Festival. We got to do some interviews, you know, for, for the different artists. And we actually got to um, to shoot the show as far as pictures. So the right. first time I saw Megadeth, I saw him, you know, and Dave and the rest of the band, you know, no more than 10 feet from me. I'm smack up against the stage shooting <laughs> pictures for those first three songs. Right. You know, and the one thing I've got to say about Dave is, like, I've always thought that Dave was a great guitar player. Always have. And, um... You know, you listen to these albums, you know he's the primary songwriter, so you know he's a talented guy. But until I got to see him that close, like for years, I mean, he surrounded himself with the best of the best of lead guitarists. Like Dave is the Ozzy of like thrash metal, because, you know, if you're a member of Ozzy's band, it's a given that you're the best of the best. You know, right. that's how it goes if you're in Ozzy's band. And it was the same thing with Megadeth. Like Dave, you know, was was a heck of a band leader and um, he's he's a pretty tough cookie. So you've got to be on your game. And after, I, you know, I always thought, okay, well, he's getting these great guitar players to kind of carry him along because he's a great songwriter. But once I saw him live, I realized that those guys aren't carrying Dave. They are trying to keep up with him. <laughs> right. You know, because, I mean, he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. And I, I didn't, I mean, I guess listen to the records, you know, you never know who's playing what souls. And just seeing seeing him live is like, Wow. Like it completely renewed my respect for him, you know, yet again and just took it to another level. Um yeah, I just I mean, just Dave just blows my mind and just the whole Megadeth thing. Okay. Um it, it's interesting though, because um people make such a big deal out of say uh Marty Friedman and what 
you know, he did in the band and this and that, but it's it's all Dave Mustaine's vision. I mean, he's pretty much following what you know Dave's saying. He's pretty much saying, Hey, you know, this is this is what I want. You know, let's see what you can do. And and if he doesn't like and this is with every other guitarist that's come before and after, um, you know, if he doesn't like it then, you know, they they've had to redo everything to make sure that it fit more or less his vision and um you know, Megadeth is one of the bands that I've actually been able to see uh uh quite a few times and um it's it's just cool that regardless the lineup, regardless who's been in the band, the the live uh approach has been always the same. He's always, you know, been up there um just doing his thing. Uh, at least when I've seen him, I don't know if uh, you know some of these uh, some of these shows twenty years back were were as disastrous as he makes out in his book or or that other people discuss. But at least when I've seen him, he's put on a hell of a show. So you know, and that's the thing. Thing again is <clears throat> as messed up as those guys were because I I just recently read Dave's book as well. Um, he has just maintained the utmost professionalism. You know, and that that blows me away right there, too. I mean, you know, if any of the stuff in his book is true, they should all be dead. You know? Right. <clears throat> I mean, to let alone go out, tour, become a successful multi-million dollar selling band. And to your point with Marty Friedman, um, Rust in Peace was another record that, that kind of escaped me. Right. And everyone says, oh, it was great. It was great. Marty Friedman made the record. And like, no, Marty came in after Dave had everything done. Right. You know, Dave, Dave had the vision. He had the songs done. He's like, okay, Marty, here's what you're going to do. You know, <laughs> and, and it's just, it's been Dave's vision that drives this. And what's funny is like, you know, I talked about P, um, Peace Cells because that's a, a great song. I love the song. My favorite song off the, um, um, off the Peace Cells record is My Last Words. Okay. I absolutely love that. <clears throat> and it's because like it starts out, you know, kind of pretty. You got the nice melodies going on. And then it just pumps up in true day fashion. And then by the end, they are just raging like a freight train. And it's that 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 set of um, I guess kind of like the chorus or the outro chorus, whatever you want to call it, where he's like, right. "You, you next victim, you next to die." Just that was you know, it's very ominous words, but it's such a sing along kind of part, you know? Right? <laughs> yeah, I just I absolutely love that song.
Up next, we have the great author Martin Popoff. Um, Once this latest Black Sabbath reunion was announced, he had some very interesting comments regarding that. Uh, Something to the effect of them letting Bill Ward and Geezer Butler write everything and sort of lock Ozzy away until the entire album was written. So, found that quite humorous. In any event, if you're interested in checking out any of Martin's offerings, any of his books... Uh, go to martinpopoff.com, and that is Popoff spelled P-O-P-O-F-F. And uh, once again, if you go to the index page for this column, you'll find a link directly there. And actually, what we did with um, the last episode is we made it so that if you clicked on someone's name within the post, it takes you to their homepage. So there you go. Uh, The track we were listening to before... I interrupted was Bad Omen. Let's check out a little bit more of this track before jumping into Martin Popoff's comments. Well, Megadeth, I've I've always had a, a funny relationship with them. I mean, to me, the the best albums are Rust in Peace and Countdown. The first three, I think, are just a little bit too badly recorded, ill conceived. Um, I really don't see a lot of great classic songs on Peace Cells. I mean, I basically look at those early days, thinking that they were making songs that were too proggy for how prepared they were to uh, record them properly, I suppose.
There you go. A cover of the Willie Dixon classic, I Ain't Superstitious. And uh, moving forward here, we're going to keep things up north. Comments coming from Canada as well. Uh, this is Mitch LaFon from BraveWords.com. Mitch helps provide a lot of the uh, written content that is on the page, the written interviews, I should say, and a lot of the great pictures that you find on the site. So uh, go to BraveWords.com, and um, if you haven't been there before, I mean, it's pretty much Brave Words and Blabbermouth are the two sites to go for just strictly hard rock and metal news. They pretty much post everything, and I mean, they've posted everything that I've ever sent them, so I'm eternally grateful to them for that. In any event, let's get into some more of this cover track of I Ain't Superstitious, and then jump into Mitch LaFon's comments. Out of all the Megadeth albums, Peace Cells is definitely the masterpiece. I mean, it it took Dave from being the Metallica reject to the next big thing. And that was really important in the development of the band and also the development of the whole genre. I mean, up until then, you had Metallica leading the way, and you had some rumblings with Slayer back here, and you had some rumblings with Anthrax back there, and then people, oh, you know, Dave Mustaine, he's the guy. And then that album came out, and it was like, oh, there are two major players on the, you know, on the circuit, and right. that 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 changed that changed everything in the thrash world, and it made people go, oh, you mean there's not only Metallica? And then they went, well, if there's not only Metallica, and there's not this Megadeth band, who else can we go check out? And to me, that sort of really opened the doors to Anthrax rising above. And, and I, I mean, I know they had success going into that, but I think that was a game changer where everybody's uh, level of success rose because of it. Right. And, uh, you know, listen, it, it's one of those albums that, uh, what is it, 20, 25 years, 20 years now? Yeah, 25. 25. Yeah. You know, they, they uh, it, it just... Uh, it just keeps selling, and people just want to keep hearing it. And it's, there's not a lot of albums in this world where after 25 years you want to listen to it. I mean, you know, I get 10 new albums a week, and there are some of them that I don't want to hear by the, by the next Saturday. <laughs> right. And this is not one of them. This is, this is one that even a non-Megadeth fan can go, yeah, you know what, they got it right on this one. Mm-hmm. 
There's a little My Last Words by Megadeth. And probably one of those underground classic type tracks where if you're a diehard fan, you know that track because it is just so damn cool. Um, But it's one of those tracks that unfortunately, you know, uh, the... Whatever, uh, I don't want to say the temporary, but the average fan uh, doesn't know because unfortunately on this album they don't know much beyond Wake Up Dead and Peace Cells, uh, which is another reason why we do these columns to, you know, explore everything, you know, every aspect of an album from front to finish. With other columns, what I've done is. Um, play the albums in different orders and a bunch of people have you know complained about that so what I've done this time around to see if you guys like better um, is to hold it up in its actual format and I'm splitting the songs in half because we've received so many great great uh, comments obviously this is the last song uh, on the album but it isn't the last piece of music that we will include since we do have so many great uh, Megadeth live albums, we're going to include some of the live material as well. So, um, in any event, moving forward and speaking about live environments, up next is John Schaefer from Iced Earth. Just got to see uh, Iced Earth with White Wizard and Fury UK here in Spain and was a great, great show. Um, unfortunately, White Wizard just dropped off the tour, but I do have to say that this lineup of White Wizard was absolutely amazing. And as far as the Iced Earth is concerned, um, it's one of the best live shows that I've seen in quite a while. They really, you know, brought things to the stage. Uh, their new lead singer, Stu, is just unbelievable um he did everyone's parts just perfect uh, i mentioned this during the last podcast and i don't feel like you know i don't want to regurgitate everything that i said but you know since there are going to be new people checking this out that didn't check that other episode out just highly recommend it if you get to see any of these three bands iced earth white wizard or fury uk in concert Go ahead and do so. You'll be in for a treat, without a doubt. Uh, also, check out Dystopia. A great, great album. Uh, a lot of the diehard fans, and I don't consider myself a diehard fan. I consider myself more of a casual fan of the band. Um, they all kept telling me, this is what we've been waiting years for Ice Earth to put out. And when I interviewed John Schaefer, and you'll be able to hear that interview shortly... Uh, he concurred. He felt that, you know, his mind was completely on the band and that he was firing all, on all cylinders this time around. So, uh, definitely for someone that isn't, you know, a diehard fan or someone that is, I absolutely love this album. I dare you to listen to the track V and not have that chorus part in your head for the rest of the day, for the rest of the week, and beyond. It's just a absolutely great, great song with a very infectious chorus part. In any event, John was nice enough to, on the spot, give me comments on the albums that 
he had listened to or that he could provide comments on. Um, this is more of a comment on what his feelings are towards Dave Mustaine and Megadeth. So uh, let's get into the last half of my last words, and then let's jump into John Schaefer's comments. And without a doubt, if you want to check out more about Iced Earth, go to IcedEarth.com. And before I forget, John Leone from White Wizard, his comments are up there on the website. So again, MarsAttacksRadio.com, and click on the post for the Classic Albums column uh, for Megadeth's Peace Cells. He's actually one of the only people to comment on, I believe he commented on every album, and if not, he may have only skipped out on one or two. So anyway, here we go. Uh, My last words. I've never been a big Megadeth fan, okay. um, but uh, it was really cool to tour with him, and I share a lot of, uh, of Dave's ideas, you know, okay. so um, that's probably the only album I ever owned, and I thought it was cool, but it wasn't a band that just, like, really gelled with me, Yeah, you know? it just, I don't know, okay. it's a good album. Okay, cool.
little Wake Up Dead Live. That comes off of the new 25th anniversary box set, uh, which has a live show with the P-Cells, but who's buying a lineup. That is obviously Dave Mustaine, David Ellison, Gar Samuelson, and Chris Polin. So what we're going to do is play tracks off of that or snippets of tracks off of the live CD that comes with the re-release of Peace Cells. Moving forward, Doro Pesh, who has some very kind words regarding uh, the band. Uh, I interviewed her not too long ago regarding her 25 Years in Rock DVD slash CD. And um, she wanted to comment on Megadeth because the band gave them, gave her band, Warlock, their first break in the U.S., their first U.S. tour. So, uh, here we go. Let's jump into, actually, um, let's jump into a little bit of The Conjuring Live and then get into the Doro Pesh segment of the program. Welcome to our sanguinary sect of worship. Europe, which was 
afraid. We wanted to, you know, we want to do like a little club tour in the States. And our manager, he was working on it. Yeah, and then suddenly we got the phone call and, you know, and, you know, he said, hey, guys, you know, there's something like, you know, which which might be really much better than doing the club tour. And I said, what is it? And, you know, he said, we can go on tour with Megadeth. It's a huge tour. And I thought, oh, wow. And then we canceled all our club gigs immediately. And we actually hopped on tour with Megadeth. And it was so big at the time. And I loved the songs. In my darkest hour was always one of my favorite, favorite songs. And, and I must say, Dave Mustaine, he was super, super nice to me. He was very nice to the whole band. It was great. And Dave Elson was in the band. And it was like, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. It was my first big tour in the States. Unforgettable. I think we finished in Chicago in a big venue. There were like 10,000 metalheads. And and it was it was fantastic. And, um, and I think the Megadeth songs are great. I love many, many songs. Like, yeah, what I said, In My Darkest Hour, I think that's my my absolute favorite. But Atul Among, I love. And and so many other records, like, yeah, Peace Sales and everything. It's like, I think, songwriting-wise, Dave is, like, unbelievable. And, and it was great. And, uh, yeah, we had a great tour. And it was definitely, yeah, the beginning for us in the States to... Yeah, to do something, you know, and um, it was great. I I always want to, you know, to say thank you to the Megadeth guys, yeah, for giving us the chance to, and uh, and you know how much it means to me for like the states, playing the states, and ah, it was it was unbelievable. <laughs> The Conjuring live, and as previously mentioned during the episode by Anirud from Metal Assault, that comes from a show uh, done in Cleveland many years ago with the P-Cells lineup. Uh, moving forward, Gene Hoagland. Now, uh, I've been saying this episode after episode of the Classic Albums column that Gene Hoagland's comments alone make this podcast worth its while. Um, you're going to start to hear exactly why. Um, he's someone that doesn't pull any punches, but is someone that was there when a lot of things happened. Um, he's going to start to explain exactly why, how, so on and so forth uh, with regards to Megadeth and a bunch of other bands in a second. Uh, speaking of the other columns, if you haven't checked them out yet, this is what has been covered in previous Classic Albums columns. We kick things off with Metallica's Injustice for All. From there, we went to Cleansing by Prong. Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf, Van Halen, Van Halen 2, and last month we had Anima by Tool. This month, obviously, Megadeth, Peace Cells. So, this is what we're going to do. We're going to keep things going with the Megadeth live tracks, and um, we're going to jump right into 
Gene Hoagland's great, great comments. And as cool as this story is, or as insightful, it still is not, in my opinion, the best story that he mentioned while on the phone. Uh, In any event, let's get into a little Bad Omen Live by Megadeth. Bad Omen! My personal favorite Megadeth record, I thought that was where they were really finding finding a really good a good space, you know. And um you know, my my fiance and I we 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 argue over which is the better, you know, album, Rest in Peace or is that Rest in Peace? Peace Cells? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or Peace Cells. And I was just I was just telling her like half an hour ago, like, Hey man, you know, Peace Cells, that's the way to go, you know. <laughs> and um so yeah, uh, yeah, you know, that had great songs, you know, Conjuring, Wake Up Dead, great song, a uh, lot of really killer tracks. I remember, um, it's a fun kind of, you know, side story, is that the drum set that I used on my very first record, uh, which was Darkness Descends from Dark Angel, uh, was the same kit that Gar had used a month earlier when they recorded that album, so I thought that huh. was pretty neat. It's like, hey man, it worked for him, it's going to work for me. <laughs> we just used the same company, a company called Drum Doctors that, you know, you hire them, they bring in a kit for you, they set it up and all that sort of stuff. So our, we used the same producer, we used Randy Burns, and they had a version of the song Mary Jane, um, Mary Jane Terwilliger or whatever, because they, they ended up putting another version of it on uh, the next album, but So Far, So Good, So What?, but the version that was on P-Cells that didn't release was the best song on the album. It was no kidding. so killer. And then the, they remixed the album. I thought the first mix was fine. 
And when they remixed the album, I guess they dropped that track. But I was like, dude, it's the best track. You know, that's like <laughs> Motley Crue dropping that uh, Stick to Your Guns song on when they redid the Leather Records thing. You know, I wasn't a big Motley Crue yeah. fan, but that was a decent song. And mm-hmm. you guys killed your best song. They're like, why do these bands drop off the coolest song? I never thought that. But, but Peace Out's great record. You know, the whole thing was really cool. And, uh, you know, it, it, it showed Dave Mustaine as a, a political figure. I remember seeing, you know, all the stuff on, on MTV when that album came out. And he's, like, talking yeah. politics with people. I'm like, hey, it's this redheaded uh, young dude that's a political poobah now. Good for you, Dave. Way to go. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Um, absolutely cool story about the, the drum set as well. So, I mean, I how much yeah, more, yeah, I mean, and, and actually he holds Garth's playing up and in, in high esteem, at least in his biography, he talks it up a lot. So it's cool yeah. that you got to use the pretty much the same setup. That was pretty fun. We did some touring with them on that record and boy, I was, I was, well, was, I was 18 at the time, and boy, huh. I saw things on that tour that I had never seen before, you know, because I did grow up in the club scene in L.A. Like, my sister, she's five years older than me, and she was, you know, going out to a lot of clubs, and I saw all the L.A. cock rock bands before they sucked, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, before the radio hit and started, you know, like, like you had your, your quiet riots and your Motley Crue's that got big and, and, you know, that, that changed a lot of the LA bands of sounds. And I would always, you know, we would always inevitably end up at the parties afterwards. So there was many times I would be, you know, we'd go to the whiskey or the Troubadour or, you know, Gazzari's or whatever. And, we end up at the party, and there's guys from Motley Crue, and there's guys from Great White, or you know Dante Fox, as they were known at the time, and guys from <laughs> Rat, and I've seen all those bands in the clubs, and um, and uh, there was a point I was going to make with oh, and we go to the parties, and they do a lot of drinking, and you know there'd be girls flashing their boobs or whatever, and the the Megadeth portion wasn't so much drinking or boob flashing, it was seeing them in the middle of their addictive nonsense, <laughs> you know? And so I'm 18 years old. I'm seeing Chuck, their drum tech, who later became the drummer. I'm seeing him right. have to have have to do things to Gar on stage to keep Gar going through the show. And I was like, wow, I, never thought, I, I didn't know you could do a drug in that fashion <laughs> that way while you're on stage. And, yeah, I saw those guys doing some crazy things, and yeah, you know, I mean, they've all admitted it. They've all said, "Look, we were in the middle of heroin nonsense back then." But uh, you know, just that's that's what I remember from the Peace Cells era of Megadeth is doing that that touring with them. You know, the states that we did, and just it wasn't very long, but I saw enough. I was like, "Okay, I I've seen it all now." But uh, <laughs> yeah, so there you go, Peace Cells. That that was my personal favorite Megadeth record. You know, I thought that was. That was a great one, you know, top to bottom. That was a lot of really great songs, you know.
My Last Words, live by Megadeth. And I forgot to mention, I highly recommend you guys checking out The Atomic Clock by Gene Hoagland. Uh, his stretching exercises alone helped change my drumming considerably, helped take away all these cramps I was having uh, in my arms uh, playing live. So thanks to Gene Hoagland. For that one. Um, also, go to hoaglandindustries.com to check out more about Gene Hoagland. Moving forward, we've got two comment segments left, and both of these uh, pertain to members of Megadeth, two former members of Megadeth. I mentioned them earlier in the episode. First up, Glenn Drover. Glenn was part of the System Has Failed tour. He also played on United Abominations, and uh, his brother is still the drummer in the band. Uh, Glenn has since moved on, and when last I spoke to him, he mentioned that he had something big in the works that uh, he would be able to discuss in the near future. So hopefully we'll have him back on the podcast to discuss his future plans. And in any event, he definitely was uh, very insightful with his time uh, regarding the band and had no issues uh, discussing you know anything that I threw his way and uh, was very cool to discuss Megadeth and a few other bands with him uh, for this classic albums column so uh, without further ado actually let's get into a little uh, Devil's Island live, and then we'll get into his comments. <laughs>
you recall the first time that you heard P-Cells? I don't know if I recall the exact first time I heard the record, but I do remember the, the, the time around the time when I was starting to get into that record, listening to it and trying to digest it. I was doing a painting job with my brother, Sean, who was a drummer in Megadeth. And um, I, just remember, I just have memories of, you know, when I hear that album, I remember when we, were, when we had this job, we're doing all this painting, and it was just really annoying, and I hate painting. But, um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was pretty much around the time when it came out that year. So around 87, I guess it was, or 86, 87. Okay, and what stood out to you right away from the album? Uh, I found that when I heard when I heard the first record, I, I wasn't overly blown away from it. I, I didn't really like it all that much, to be honest. The first record, and when that came out, it was it was quite obvious right away. It was just like, wow, this you know the production was a lot stronger. You could tell that they really put a lot more thought and uh, into the whole process of you know and, and, and the songwriting and the recording and the whole bit. The playing seemed to have stepped up a notch. Uh, everything, everything had, had just seemed to elevate to a, a much higher level from the first record to to, to P cells. So that was my that my initial impression for sure. Yeah. Okay, and obviously you were a member of the band. So did you have any favorite tracks off of this album to play live? Uh, Wake Up Dead's always a, it's, that's a really fun song to play. I mean, one of the riffs in that song is uh, there's a riff in the middle section. Where he does this thing with the, you know, he called the the spider chord. Right. He does this descending chromatic thing where you're utilizing all four fingers in the left hand. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, for me, it's like one of my favorite riffs from the band. Period. You know that that riff is like probably one of my favorite all-time metal riffs, if, if not just from the band, but uh, you know, of all time. Definitely one of my favorites. Aside from that, I mean, Peace Out was always fun. We played Devil's Island for a little while. That was a lot of fun. Um, we didn't really get to play a whole lot of other songs from that record. Um, okay. I would have liked to, being that it's my favorite album. Um, I would have loved to play, you know, The Conjuring and Black Friday and all these other tunes, but we never did. So, But what we did cover was a lot of fun. Okay. Were you nervous at all when you joined the band, since the band had had sort of a, I don't know, storied or checkered past with its guitarist? Did you have any hesitation, uh, whether it's being a member of the band or being accepted by the fans? I don't really know if I was really um, that concerned with that. I had other concerns, uh, but it wasn't necessarily about whether it was going to work between me and Dave because of all the stories that I'd heard and all this kind of junk and uh, acceptance acceptance from the fans. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go in and I'm going to give it a go and I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm going to give 110%. And if it doesn't work out, then I go home. You know, I think right. that was my mind frame at the time. I was so, so busy and so just absorbed with just trying to really get all these songs down and trying to get everything uh, as close as possible, you know, and... Um, and I think out of all that hard work, those, you know, that initial, the first tour and maybe the second one were probably the best when I was in the band because at that point everything was really, was more, um, um, I don't know, it was just, a, it was a better environment, um, less corrupt, and it was just, um, you know, we were all getting along really well and everybody was really healthy and, you know, the attitudes were healthy you know, and all that stuff, and, and uh, 
you know, when I look back at some of the videos, it was, uh, you could tell we were definitely firing on all, all cylinders on, on those first couple of tours, you know. As far as the gear that you used while you were in the band, did you have to um, uh, sort of tailor the gear that you used specifically for Megadeth, or have you always used more or less the same type of gear regardless of what band you've been in? No, I mean, it's for me, it's very, very important to try to use equipment that obviously is going to be able to, where you're going to be able to achieve the, 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 the proper tones, you know, and being that Megadeth is one of those bands that's known for good tones on, on records and stuff like that, I always tried my best to try to, you know, to, to accommodate that and have the right tone for that. It was just, I mean, luckily enough, the kind of tone that I was, that I, I prefer is the tone that I was, you know, trying to achieve um, and, and have set for the band we played live and um i even did that in the studio too but you know that always didn't work out but uh you know that was always my initial um you know intent was to do that and um i mean i used went through a couple of different uh changes with with gear but it was always again it was always the same mind frame and always trying to make it aggressive and tight and um you know which is the, the kind of tone that Megadeth's known for My business and business is good. go killing is my business and business is good and yes i realized that that didn't come off of the peace sales but who's buying album originally but since it is part of this live cd that comes with the 25th anniversary of the peace sales album and it contains the same lineup as the album 
I figured, you know, we'd throw this track in there and a few other tracks, which essentially all come off of Killing Is My Business because obviously Peace Cells was the band's second album. Up next is Chris Poland. Uh, if you haven't listened to episode 50 of the Mars Attacks podcast, go back and do so. Chris discusses everything that he's done outside of Megadeth. We reserve the Megadeth portion for this specific episode. So he discusses his tenure in the band, what it was like to come back for The System Has Failed, so on and so forth. Uh, as a reminder, he is currently in a band called Ohm and also in another band called Ohm Free. Uh, before moving forward, I do want to remind you guys to go to MarsAttacksRadio.com and once again check out not only David Ellison's uh, Q&A, but all the other comments by some of the other great, great artists, authors, hosts, etc., etc., that have commented on P-Cells. Uh, also, I want to uh, remind you guys to check out the Twitter account for Mars Attacks Radio and Podcast. It is Mars Aries 2005. In any event, there is a link on the right-hand side of the MarsAttacksRadio.com homepage so that you can go directly to the Twitter account, sign up, and you'll be able to find out what we're doing, um, you know, who we just finished interviewing, what episodes are coming up, so on and so forth. Uh, also, remind you to go to MarkStriegelRadio.com where the Mars Attacks radio show airs. Uh, episodes air Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Go to MarsAttacksRadio.com once again and either click on the widget right there on the homepage to listen to Stream B of Mark Striegel Radio, which does contain uh, the radio show. But right above that, you'll see the show times or the times that shows do air. Uh, anyway, let's get into the segment with Chris Poland. Uh, before that, let's get into some more live Megadeth. This time around, we're going to get into a little mechanics live, and then the Chris Poland segment. The mechanics! <laughs>
When the writing and the, and the recording for the album was taking place, was it apparent to you or the band that this was going to be such a monumental album? No, I don't think so. Not like it is. I mean, we knew that the it was good stuff, but we didn't know it was going to be, you know, such an important record then. I mean, we were just trying to get it done. We didn't have a lot of money. We were working like, 14, 16 hour days. And, um, but we knew we had, um, the right guy. We knew Randy Burns was the right guy to do it. And that, that was very important for that record. Okay. And at what point did you guys realize how important this album was? Oh, uh, I think we started to get an inkling when Capitol Records came in and, and bought the record from Relativity. But I still didn't realize then that it was going to be, you know, I just figured they they were just, you know, trying to make some money if they could, but I never knew it was going to, you know, like I said, be a, I don't even know what to call it. I guess it's kind of like, you know, for, for that genre of music, I guess it could be considered Led Zeppelin too. I don't know. Right. Okay. Here's something that I asked Dave Ellison when we were discussing the album. Uh, I asked him if he felt that this album could have been recorded by any other four musicians, especially given the revolving door within uh, Megadeth's lineup over the years. His answer was that it would be impossible um, to capture the same sort of magic that you four had when this album was recorded. Would you agree? 
Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, the one thing that uh, was a happy accident was we did, um, I think we did like four tours playing that album before we even recorded it. Huh. So um, there were a lot of arrangement changes that went on. Uh, I do remember that Peace Cells was like seven minutes long, and Gar made a suggestion to uh, edit it down, and Dave took his suggestion, which was a you know obviously the right one. But um, yeah, we we got the tour on that record, so um, before we released it, and I think that helped out a lot because we came right off a tour and then went right in the studio, so we were you know really prepared to make that record so okay and um what do you think made the four of you so special there's there's so much that's been discussed about how gar came from somewhere outside of metal how your influences weren't exactly metal yeah that, that's guys... exactly what it was is is you had dave ellison and especially dave mustaine who basically kind of you know i mean i guess when dave met um, Dave Ellison, you know, he was listening to Van Halen and, um, Dave kind of schooled him on, you know, what to listen to. So they had their, um, you know, their digs were in metal and, 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 um, Motorhead and stuff like that, where me and Gar were more influenced by, you know, Tony Williams and Billy Cobham and, and all those type of musicians and, and, you know, we were more from a fusion background where those guys were from a, a rock metal background. But me and Gar were also rock players, too. But we we, we kind of lent, we were leaning a lot towards fusion. And, you know, we had a horn section band. You know, we had, we were playing fusion with horns before we even met Dave. So there was a, there was something going on. There was a, basically a fusion between the four of us that no one else had. And that no one else could have had because it was just a quirk that me and Gar joined that band. So we 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 actually had we had the same we shared the same manager at the time. And when Dave was looking for a drummer, they got Gar, and then and then uh, and then Gar suggested that I you know come down to uh, Mates was uh, not Mates uh, what was it Mars was the rehearsal place that both days were. Uh, working at, and Gar said, just come down, bring your gear down, rent a room, just play guitar loud all day, and I guarantee Dave will come in and ask you to join the band, and that's what happened. <laughs> but but because we had the same manager, there was a, you know, that was the, that was the thread that, that you know, kind of tied us together. Okay. And did you feel... Initially, when Gar proposed this, did you feel that it was going to be a stretch for you to work oh, with that? Oh, not at all. No, okay. because um, we, you know, the stuff we were playing was was um, you know, it was pretty difficult to play, and and Dave's stuff was really difficult to play too. So we were definitely challenged by the music, and because you know, I grew up listening to Led Zeppelin and Hendrix and you know, Deep Purple and bands like that. I already had you know an idea how to play you know metalish kind of stuff you know I'm you know I was a big mountain fan and so you know I knew how to get that tone it's just that my my uh 
I guess my heart was more in, you know, like, you know, yeah, I don't know, Bill Connors and Holdsworth and, and um, you know, guys like that. Right. Where, um, and it worked because, you know, I got to, to play a certain style, the stylized way I play in a different format, which was still basically, you know, pretty much kind of a fusion thing in itself. I mean, like like Wake Up Dead, there's so many riffs in that song, you could consider it, you know, it's very progressive. So, you know, it wasn't a big stretch for me and Gar at all. Okay. And um, does the success of this album still affect you as a musician today? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, no, the you know, just playing in that band opened a lot of doors for me. And, you know, still to this day, you know, things happen out of nowhere just because I played, you know, on those first two records. You know, the, getting the call from Chris Adler from Lamb of God and playing, you know, guest solo spots on a couple records. And, you know, it was definitely a happy, you know, um, I don't want to say mistake, but it was just something that I never envisioned myself doing. And then one day I was just doing it. And I think I did it because I'm, you know, I wanted to play with Gar because we grew up playing together. So, you know, he had joined this band and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it because it's fun to play and, and, you know, we'll get to play together. Okay. And what's the biggest compliment you've received over the years regarding the album? Oh, God. Hmm. I, I guess um, I guess the biggest compliment I got that I can remember was one of the guys from Flotsam and Chetsam. I think it was actually the drummer. Once told me that um, he could always tell, you know, when he hears my playing. I guess, I guess um, you know, it doesn't matter what you play through. You always sound like yourself. Right. So he, he always knows when it's me playing, and he said he can tell just from the P. Sells record whenever he hears me play on a record that it's me. So, hmm. that's pretty cool. Um, what do you think of the reissue that just came out? Oh, it's awesome! I got one. Uh, Capital sent me one, and uh, I think it's really cool. I think anybody that's a a fan should definitely get it because it's. You know, it's the accumulation of everything that went on then, you know, and it's all kinds of, you know, great DVDs and and uh, especially the Randy Burns mixes are great. And right. It's just a great package. I mean, it's, if you're if you're a Megadeth fan and Peace Cells is basically the, you know, the axis that, you know, that band actually still to this day turns around on, it's, it's something that you need to have if you're a Megadeth fan. Okay. And you actually went back and recorded some stuff on The System Has Failed. Uh, how did that experience differ from P-Cells and actually Killing Is My Business? Um, it was fairly similar. You know, it was basically, you know, Dave would, you know, suggest ideas. And some days Dave would not be there at all. And I would just, you know, me and Ralph Palin would just, uh, he was the engineer that, that helped with that record and right. we would just work on our own like um, I guess on the, the last track 
on the record was a day where me and Ralph just worked alone that day. Um, but um, as far as, you know, how me and Dave worked in the studio, it was almost like I'd never left the band. So it was it was pretty comfortable. Okay. And at the time, there were rumors that perhaps you would tour with the band. Perhaps there there would be more of a collaboration between you and Dave. Uh, why didn't anything else come out of uh, that session? Oh, because I have, you know, everything's wrapped up in, in my own project, pretty much. And, and it's not something I'm just going to put down. And, you know, that would basically, you know, all the freedom I have to do whatever I want to do would be gone and it just didn't, it wasn't the right thing to do. Plus, you know, it was in, you know, I had some hard times in that band as far as, you know, sobriety went and stuff like that. And I didn't want to challenge that. So. Okay. If, if there was one song that you could pick from, um, peace cells to be like your calling card per se, what track would it be? Oh, I guess it would be Peace Cells. Peace Cells, but who's fine? Cells Live. Want to thank everyone that was involved 
in this show, in this podcast, everyone who helped make this happen. Uh, running down the list here quickly, Chris Poland, Glenn Drover, Gene Hoagland, Doro Pesh, John Schaefer, Mitch LaFon, Martin Popoff, Aaron and John from Iron City Rocks, um, Dave Reffitt, Dave Reffitt, thanks immensely for everything once again, uh, Anirud, Andrew, Andy, Bansal from Metal Assault, Alan Tecchio of Seven Witches, Hades, Nonfiction, Autumn Hour, etc., etc., Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the website, portion of things. People that sent their written comments in. Once again, David Ellison, Bumblefoot. Uh, we have Greg Prado, Dan Lorenzo, John Leone, uh, Joel Gostin, Metal Mike, Eric Klubert of Gypsy Hawk, Phil Rind of Sacred Reich, uh, Ricky Armolino of This or the Apocalypse, Mitz from Madball, James J. LaRue, formerly of White Wizard and Holy Grail, currently of Vindicator. We have Mitz from Madball, Scott Middleton, and Jay Schwarzer from Cancer Bats. Uh, we have JL from the Spanish band Wayne. We have Chris Shrum and Mikey Pannone from uh, Benedictum. Uh, we have Sean Bryant of Hull. We have Will Carroll of Death Angel. Steve Smythe of Forbidden. Let's see. Chad Bauer from heavymetal.about.com. Uh, we also have Bat from Glider. Uh, we have Ethan uh, Rosen. Rosenbloom, almost said Rosenberg, sorry. Ethan Rosenbloom from CerebroMetalHead.com. He also contributes to Metal Sucks amongst other pages. Uh, what else? Uh, Sean Duncan, formerly of Odin, currently of DC4. Uh, we have Grover13 from the number of the blog. Tim Ripper Owens. Uh, we also have Doug Gibson from Metal Underground. Uh, we also have Alex from Dose of Metal. And uh, let's see, the great Jason Bittner from Shadows Fall. Uh, we also have the new bass player of Bonded by Blood, Jesse Sanchez. And uh, Scott from over at Focus on Metal. And I'm running down the list here. Uh, Jorge Salon, uh, Spanish hard rock slash metal uh, solo artist. Uh, we also have three members of Angelus Apatrida. We have their guitarist, David Davish, as he likes to be called. Um, we have Jose, the bass player, and we have Victor, the drummer, Great, great band. Check them out, uh, Angelus Apatrida. And uh, we may have others who will start to trickle in in the coming days or weeks, and we'll add them as we receive them. But uh, I honestly want to thank everyone 
for participating, and I want to thank everyone for listening to the episode. Remember to check back on MarsAttacksRadio.com for future podcasts, radio shows, interviews, so on and so forth. Uh, And again, thanks to all of you for listening. And remember that you can stream or download any of these episodes directly from MarsAttacksRadio.com or subscribe to them from iTunes. And please leave your comments right there on iTunes. We'll leave you with a little bit more of P-Cells Live. See ya. (laughs) 